Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Today's Spurs cast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash almighty. That's audibletrial.com slash A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y. Over 180,000 titles to choose from. Access them right on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Wanna do bad things. That's real, though. I don't at all, man. The more money you make, the more problems you get. And jealousy and envy is, is something that comes with the territory, man. A lot of people, it's just negative energy, like my man Puff said. What country you from? What? What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? What? English, mother do you speak it? Man, you've been doing all this dope producing. You ain't had a chance to show them what time it is. So what you want me to do? Welcome to the Spurs Cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast. Congratulations, you have arrived at episode 427 of the Spurs Cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast, brought to you, of course, by ProjectSpurs.com. I'm your host, Ryan McCallum, and casting the pods with me today, like every day, it seems like every day, we're recording a lot of pods, uh, podcasts here lately. That's that's pods for the millennials. Uh, but we're doing a lot of podcasts. The guy's here, he's fresh from the gym, fresh from the shower, fresh from a late lunch. It's Mr. Jose Grijalva. Jose, hello, sir. Again, for like the third time this week. Yeah, I mean we're in demand now, right? Well, not really, but I mean th- there's so much going on. I think you back it's off better that really to... quickly. We're in demand now, right? Okay, not really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know uh, we have more followers on Twitter. By the way, shout out to everybody that's you know new followers. And 
Um, yeah, I had a, a late lunch. I had 10 flautas. Uh, you had 10 flautas no. for lunch? Yeah. I had the first five didn't fill me up, and then I regretted the next five. But it was chest and back day to day, so uh, I'm, ju- I'm just hungry. And, and I, I could go for some dessert right now, so I'm got, not sweating it too much. I got into a, enchilada, a cheese enchilada eating contest. Let me tell you about two food contests real quick. It's cheese enchiladas. It's, I float the river there in San Marcos, Texas. Uh, and then there's this great little, I don't even know, Mexican restaurant, Tex-Mex, whatever. They have awesome margaritas. It's this place called Herbert's, uh, future friend of the show. And I went in there, ate. <laughs> I asked my buddy, I said, how many cheese enchiladas can you eat? And he said, oh, like three. And I said, I'm going to have eight. So I ate eight, or I, yeah, I ate eight enchiladas uh, and then went and repainted the walls inside of the bathroom. It was, it was horrible after those, um, after those margaritas stacked on top of that. The second thing is I was in New Orleans like uh, a month ago, and we went to a Pelicans game, and they there was this, I don't remember what the restaurant was, but it was off Bourbon Street, it might have been off Toulouse Street, and they had a pancake eating contest, and it was like, can you eat seven pancakes in an hour? And I thought, yeah, hell yeah, I can eat seven pancakes in an hour, I'm a grown man. I sit down there and look at these pancakes, and they're like 11 inches at least across. And they come out and they make me sign a waiver, which is strange. I sign a waiver that I'm not going to sue them if I die or something. Then uh, they bring the timer out. They sit, somebody sits there and kicks it off officially. And I start going at it with the pancakes. And I got through two and I said, this is not going to happen. And so then I like picked at, you know, to get to three so I could have a respectable finish. But I ended up eating three of them. Uh, they just came by, took the pancakes away. It was 30 bucks. I found out for those three pancakes cost $30. 10 bucks, 10 bucks. What, what, what was the uh, record for pancakes? I don't know. I mean, the, 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 uh, deal was if you ate seven of them, you got like a t-shirt or something. I mean, it was something stupid, but they did say that somebody did it in like two minutes because they rolled up the pancakes, dunked it in water and then just swallowed it. That's what I was going to ask you. What did you drink with it? You might as well, you know, basically like the hot dog eating contest. Just dip it in water and let it go. Yeah, I had a because then it's going to be basically it. mush. It's yeah. going to be basically mush, you know. So yeah. I had a Bloody Mary with it. Probably not the best <laughs> choice. <laughs> See, this is where I think if we meet, when we meet one day, we'll get along nicely. Because that's how I think. Like, you know, when something's like in a in a platter or like an entree, like you know, there's three of something. I always think double. You know, I, I never. Go with the flow. So I think we'll get along nicely one day. Yeah, one day. Just not not today, right? Today's not that day. Oh, can you do ten flautas? I no, there's no way. Not especially not right now. No, no ten flautas for me. I've with with rice, by the way, Mexican rice. See, I don't do that. I don't do Mexican rice. I, my mother-in-law makes great Mexican rice. I just don't like rice in general. I'll go double beans, no rice. Repeatedly, that's me. Um, what's you is Trump. Man, Trump is back in the news, uh, and and he's linked in another story that, that concerns our own Greg Popovich. I think we mentioned this kind of loosely on the last podcast, but, uh, but San Antonio Express News is now reporting that there are dissenters in our ranks. Uh, there are season ticket holders that are getting vocal and are upset about Greg Popovich's uh, negative commentary on Donald Trump. And, and I thought that maybe this would happen. I didn't know that they were going to threaten, you know, not to renew their season tickets over this. And I thought Greg Popovich sort of had this uh, diplomatic immunity 
you know, type of status where he can kind of do whatever he wants in San Antonio. Apparently, for some, uh, he can't, and there are, there are folks that are threatening not to renew renew their their season tickets over Trump's negative commentary and criticism over over Donald Trump. So let me ask you. I mean, everybody obviously has their uh, their rights to take whatever actions they want. They can get super political, and, and Popovich has brought this on himself by going uh, political. That being said, he should have the freedom to do that. I don't, and, but he is a representative of the, of the Spurs organization and people are voting with their, their wallets. Apparently. What do you think of all of that? How, how, how do you think this is going to unfold? Well, first, first, let me say this. And and one of the, I think it was in the actual article, right? It mentioned if pop should just be quiet about it. I don't think so. You know, I, I know there's there's Spurs fans that have said, and I've read it where they've said, you know, just shut up and coach. You're a basketball coach. As a man. No, he has a right to his opinion. Right. Even if I disagree with him on that, I'm not going to tell him that he can't say that. Like people say, it's a First Amendment right. But like how you mentioned, at the same time, he has a First Amendment right, but also uh, the employer has, you know, a say uh, about that, you know, as far as how you said he's a representative of that. So again, he could, it's like, it's like us. If we say, we, we have the right to say what we want on this podcast, but if the powers that be at Project Spurs do not like it, uh, we can, they'll just tell us to take our opinions elsewhere, you know? So again, uh, there's consequences to Are that. Are you threatening to leave? That's of course what it not. sounds like to me. Of course not. I'd never leave you. <laughs> well, let me, I love, I love you. Well, let me say, <laughs> That was weird. Uh, let me Brother tell you. Love. Yeah, uh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, which is very uh, timely for me since I'll be at the Royal Rumble uh, live tweeting from the Royal Rumble. Watch out uh, this Sunday. Let me read you the Popovich quote here. Uh, he, talking about the protesters, he says, their mes- uh, the, the Trump protesters, their message is obvious. Our president comes in with the lowest approval rating of anybody who ever has come into office. And there's a majority of people out there since Hillary won the popular vote, that don't buy his act. And I just wish that he was more and had the ability to be more mature to do something that is really inclusive rather than just talking and saying, I'm going to include everybody. He could, he could go on uh, and talk to the groups that he disrespected and maligned during the primary and really make somebody believe it. But so far, we've got to a point where you really can't believe anything that comes out of his mouth. You really can't. It doesn't really get more more pointed than that. I, I thought it was, uh, you know, I, I tend to have some of the same political leanings and opinions here of Popovich, so I, I'm I'm quite biased when it comes to this conversation. But you know, I articulated a message that a lot of people are thinking. I, I just feel um, not that he's not that Popovich is ever in any kind of real danger from a job security perspective. That's clearly not what I'm saying. But you know, you have a fan base where fifty percent of them. If not, if not more, just regionally, uh, considering the regional uh, aspect of this and it being in Texas, that probably did vote for for Donald Trump, and his very pointed opinions could have some some kind of ramifications. And you see where it's materializing by some people at least threatening not to renew season tickets. We'll see what actually happens. Uh, well, you, you, there's nothing wrong with what he said. There's a lot of people that say that. And again, you know. It, in my opinion, how Trump is interpreting that, where he's going to include everybody. I mean, I think he's talking about the jobs that he promised that we're going to stay here. He's not going to discriminate against anybody. You know, he wants to help the the, the cities and the states that need those jobs, uh, regardless of um, 
if they voted for him or not. Because again, uh, all the like, like the Rust Belt, those that turned red. I mean, he wants to have those jobs there because they're mostly Democrat that turned Republican. So again, he he wants to keep those people happy and the people that didn't vote for him. Uh, the the one thing where I think is his his weakness, Pop's weakness, is he's very blunt. And I think he takes that. I think that's where him and Trump sort of have that similarity. Uh, you know, like in the beginning, he he basically just went off, you know, on on Trump. Well, he's racist. He's all these things. And I, when I first read it, you know, I'm I'm not going to take it as as uh, as personal as the six season ticket holders. Uh, of course, I'm not throwing my money at you know at, at the Spurs games, you know. So it's a different situation. But the one thing, you know, I, I sort of felt that sort of I shrugged off right away was. He's sort of making me sound like an idiot for voting for him, and, and I don't think that's what Pop is going for. He doesn't. He doesn't want to insult his base. Uh, he might want to just insult Trump in in that way. But again, you know, I, I just think it's a different wording uh, that that he needs to do, but not change his message. I'm okay with this message. He doesn't like the president. You don't need to like the president. Uh, you know, I wasn't too fond of the former president, uh, but again, at the same time, there's a level of respect that you have to show to the office. So, you know, I I just hope, like how you said, I just hope it doesn't. And get to the point where there's a real heated conversation it, again if the if the spurs owners the whole talk to him and tell him you know maybe don't change your message but sort of word it differently mm-hmm. or don't even you know talk about it at all during the spurs practice or, or you know after the practices you can rant about it afterwards where the spurs aren't really going to be included in that conversation and again you know all this is really and and you know i sort of blame the media last time right you know uh of course you did I mean, these are the people that ask the questions. So maybe you know the, the the people asking the questions can just buzz off about it and wait until you know after practice or you try to catch pop at some other time. But you know, I like I said, I hope he's not quiet about it. I hope he still expresses his First Amendment rights, uh, and I hope that he does it in a way where the fan base isn't offended because that's how we get along. That's how you have conversations when you have a bunch of you know two sides bickering at each other. Nothing's going to get done, and we're kind of seeing that with Mexico and the U.S. right now uh, in the news. So just get along. Let's talk, and uh, we'll work something out. See, I should run for office like mayor or something, right? Yeah, I think you should. I think you should, and, and that's good advice. I'm like the king of segues here. The good advice about let's just talk and let's all get along is something that you might want to uh, give Carmelo Anthony a, a quick ring. I know you've got his number, and, uh, and and give him a talking to. So as we go around the NBA, we'll start there in New York, and you know, listeners of the show are probably no strangers to the mellow drama. Carmelo Anthony uh, – doesn't want to leave New York, then he does want to leave New York. Phil Jackson wants him, then he doesn't want him. Uh, Derek Rose talks about them having a super team constructed during the offseason with uh, Noah and obviously Carmelo and, and Derek Rose. Then he goes AWOL for a game. And, you know, New York is totally off the rocker. And now, you know, there are reports that are coming out that uh, New York called Cleveland and offered a Carmelo Anthony for Kevin Love, just straight-up trade. You know, it took Cleveland about a minute to laugh that off. Uh, at this stage in his career, you know, Carmelo's a, a ball stopper. He's a shooter. Um, it, he doesn't really flow in an offense, and you're seeing that in New York. You've seen that through his entire career, but uh, that would be just so disruptive to what Cleveland is trying to do that you know, they walked away from that despite you know, Carmelo being you know, a future Hall of Famer perhaps. Then, uh, and you tell me this, that uh, that New York is shopping Carmelo actively to teams like Boston and to the Clippers. Uh, 
I just I, I feel bad about that situation. You know, I know you called him a boss stopper, but I sort of have a special place in my heart for Melo. He's like one of the he's like uh, he's like the kid who knows he can't win with the way he plays and he doesn't want to change it. But you feel bad for him because he really wants to win. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, you mentioned that the Cavs sort of laughed it off. Uh, LeBron apparently laughed it off too. You know, he he said, and I quote, "We're not playing fantasy basketball," uh, and I think that's true to an extent. Uh, because if they traded for him again, you're trading a big for a small forward. So you're going to have to ask the best player, the MVP of last year's finals, to then move over to the power forward spot. And I don't think he wants to do that. And at the same time, I don't think you want Melo at that spot, especially if you're playing Golden State, where there's not going to be rim protection at all, or San Antonio, where you're going to see him matched up against Lamarcus Aldridge or Pau Gasol. That's going to be a nightmare. So uh, I-, I can see why teams like the Cavs are scoffing at that, laughing it off. Uh, you mentioned the Clippers, right? Uh, that again, you to 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 make that deal, you would have to change the whole outlook of the team. It's no 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 longer going to be Lob City, you know. It's probably going to be you know Chris Ball trying to run and then Melo getting the ball and everything. Everybody's going to calm down. Uh, who who else? Uh, I could see the Celtics because they need that scoring help. Isaiah Thomas needs help. So I can see that. Yeah, but who are they going to dump for that? Because Melo's got so much cash. He's, he, they're, he, they're so much tied up in his contract that you're probably not talking a single player off of Boston. I mean, maybe Al Horford. What how much Al Horford make? I mean, maybe there's something similar there. But you're talking about trading a couple of players off of Boston to make that happen. And then he has a no-trade clause. So, I mean, if he's smart about it, uh, and he's at 20 plus mil, right? Like 22 or something, yeah, 21 or something like sure, that. For sure. Uh, you know, he's going to want to know the terms of the deal. And if they're going to give up too much and he's going to go to another team that can compete, there's no reason to waive that no trade clause. I really think in a perfect world, he wants Hornacek gone. He wants uh, Phil Jackson gone. He wants he wants to stay in New York, I think, but just change the environment around him. And again, that's not really easy, especially when you're not the best. You know, when you're really not the franchise anymore, and that's Porzingis. So I just feel bad for him. He is in a no-win situation. That's why players should not have no trade clauses. Just get you know, just get traded to wherever the team wants. And you know, just for example, if he would have been traded to name a a team that's not doing so well, Miami. the Mavs. Let's just say the Mavs. Uh, you know, at some point, another team would have said, like, hey, let's take Melo. He's going to be rejuvenated here. Uh, but again, in that situation with New York, they're supposed to be like that super team that Derrick Rose said. Derrick Rose is leaving, uh, not telling the team. They're having all these problems. So it, it does, it, it's that no trade closet really, I think, doomed his chances of going to a contender. Yeah, I agree. And, and a guy who jumped off of a former contender, kind of a, a similar situation. Went to Chicago. I'm talking about Dwayne Wade here. Now there's reports that Dwayne Wade wants out. Maybe there's a little bit of revisionist history over how that you know came to be, where he was released from Miami and went to Chicago. And um, you know, I think he thought that the grass was greener, and now he's coming to the realization that no, it probably isn't. Dwayne Wade's talking about uh, a desire to leave his hometown of Chicago and go to another franchise that's that's ready to compete. You know, one of those, of course, and always will be uh, rumored is to return to Cleveland. Uh, it could happen. There, there's some trade scenario that I heard about. I didn't write it down. but Miami, you mean? You said uh, Cleveland. Yeah, to go back to Cleveland. It was uh, Amon Shumpert and like two other dudes. And then they could take on, uh, Cleveland could take on the salary of, of Dwayne Wade and make that happen. Um, it doesn't sound necessarily likely, but 
I, I could I could deal with seeing Dwayne. I couldn't see with Dwayne Wade being a Cavalier because I, I never thought of him as a guy who was chasing a ring, right? Because it was his his house there in Miami that everybody else came to. He won a title on his well, not necessarily on his own, but he lured Shaq to come to him, uh, and they won that title. I've never looked at Dwayne Wade as a guy who goes and chases rings, and it would just be very strange. I, I can't even think about Dwayne Wade wearing a Chicago Bull jersey. I always think about him. You know, wearing a Miami Heat jersey, Hall of Fame player, and now like here at the end of his his career, he's bouncing around. You know, a la Kevin Garnett. Although Dwayne Wade's had a, a, a arguably better career than Kevin Garnett. Let me, let me ask you: I mean, Could you ever? Could you see Dwayne Wade in Cleveland or on another team, or do you think he should? I don't know what just just shut up or go back to Miami or or what? I mean, what's the future hold for a guy like Dwayne Wade? Well, his situation is easier because he has a player option next year. So he could just basically walk away from the money and go to basically any team he wants, uh, you know, depending on his motivation and what price tag he's going to have. I can't with that situation in Cleveland and and you sort of I mean, you could just Google it because of all these, uh, you know, after LeBron left, it seems like everybody decided to talk about their true feelings. It seems like there was some, you know, as far as rift with uh influence and and leadership there where uh you know uh, lebron wanted to really take over the team sort of like what uh he's trying to do in uh cleveland i don't know if he's gonna go to cleveland try to you know deal with that again he's not a a playmaker lebron wants a point guard so again what if the team is failing he's a little bit older his knees aren't that well uh so i I don't think he would put himself in that situation to be honest and that's a lot of that's a lot of salary that they have so again he's gonna have to well i never have my ringer on and nobody even messages me anymore until unless I'm busy. Uh, but I just don't. I don't think he'll put him that, himself in that situation. I don't think he would put himself in a situation like that where he would have to carry the load offensively, right. and then have Kevin Love being paid a lot more than than he than he's earning. You know, especially with Love being a spot up shooter nowadays. If there's one team, I would if I was his manager and you know you wanted to win a championship, get paid a little bit. You know, but not you know not too much, but not too little. There's always San Antonio next year. Manu Ginobili will be retiring. Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe they could do some little sign and trade and, you know, Manu can retire as a bull. Uh, blasphemy, I know. And Wade could, you know, go to San Antonio uh, under, the, uh, under the player option. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the Spurs really would be the only team that would fit him. Because of the scheme, you mean I the think teams would, that are compete that are right there on the cusp that, as a contender. yeah that that would be I mean as far as contenders who who are we talking about we're talking about the Warriors the Spurs or the Cavs the Warriors don't need him and I don't think they'd take him uh, the Cavs I, as I mentioned I don't think he'd put himself in that situation but the Spurs you know you could start you could start Dwayne Wade and you still have. Kawhi Leonard to be the the defensive guy bring mm-hmm. Danny Green off the bench to be that defensive guy. Uh, so and and imagine that bench with Dejounte Murray if Patty Mills leaves. So uh, I think San Antonio it would be the ideal situation both money wise next season and also an, an opportunity for a championship. I don't see well, him going back of, to Miami. Style of play too. I mean it's just slower pace. And, and as an older guy, I'm sure that Dwayne Wade could um, you know would appreciate that slower pace, that half court set, and then not like you said, not having to carry the offensive load sort of turn into just a spot-up shooter. Um, well, I mean, exactly like with, with a little burst to the basket. I mean, almost exactly play the Manu Ginobili game. So, I mean, I could see that happening if the if the money works, but you, you start talking about a, a, a assembling a super team. I still don't think that San Antonio falls into that, sort of that negative connotation, right? Um, 
where we look at teams like Cleveland somewhat negatively and, and certainly the Golden State Warriors negatively because they just went out and shopped and bought all the best groceries, right? They just went out to uh, – it's not like they're shopping at Ralph. Do you have Ralph's out there? What's your grocery store? Uh, sadly, we only have Walmart. Okay, so Walmart versus like Whole Foods, right? So they're, they're shopping at Whole Foods. They've got you know Durant, uh, you know, it's Clay Thompson, Draymond uh, Curry, the whole, that whole crew. Uh, and Cleveland did this, sort of the same thing. San Antonio, if they if Dwayne Wade were to go to San Antonio next year, Mono Ginobili falls off the roster, maybe a couple of other players fall off the roster, you're really talking about the assembly of, I hate to say this, but a bunch of has-beens or guys on the back end of their, certainly on the back end of their career, teamed up with you know an all-time great coach getting the most out of them that they possibly could, right? So I still feel like even if you got a huge name like Dwayne Wade to join your franchise, in San Antonio, and you and you looked at it, and it was um, you know Parker, Dwayne Wade, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Lamarcus, and Powell. That's a ridiculously strong starting five. I mean, those are all you know champion, except for Lamarcus, championship level players, and he just hasn't had his opportunity yet. That's a pretty stout you know starting five, and then what that does for your bench, like you said, you start talking about bringing players like. Danny Green off the bench. That's pretty salty, dude. Uh, and for a team full of has-beens, that's Ryan MC underscore PS. <laughs> well, I knew that was going to sound bad, but you, you know what I'm saying. I mean, these are guys that are on the back end of their career. It's not like they went out and got you know Kyrie Irving to join their team. You know yeah, what I'm saying? And, yeah, and, and also to, to also point out, you know, they would have a bench or at least the guys who would take their minutes. They're pretty young guys. You know, you're talking about DeJounte Murray to back up Parker, Jonathan Simmons to back up, you know, either uh, Green or uh, not not Green, um, Wade, uh, you know, Danny Green backing up uh, Kawhi Leonard. Then you have Bertens. Uh, you have a dead man to, you know, back up the bigs. Maybe David Lee, you know, will still be on the team. Who knows? But, you know, they have those guys to take over. Again, the, the problem that I think happened with Dwayne Wade, especially in Chicago and also you saw that with Miami especially during that big three era was they had a very uh average team around superstars and I think that's what they're trying to do in Cleveland Mm -hmm. and I think that's why LeBron is very uh, upset about that you know when you hear all those we're gonna talk about Cleveland here that's next up on the list here yeah, so uh, I just think he needs to be part of a team where, again, that Manu Ginobili role, give give Wade the ball. And who, if somebody helps off the pick and roll, just swing it that way, and then everybody else is going to start swinging, it, uh, swinging the ball because they're also versatile. So I, I think it would work out. That's, I think, the ideal situation for Wade. Yeah, I, I, I obviously love it. I think Spurs fans would love it. I mean, let's see what happens. Um, the key is that he needs to stay in, in Chicago this entire year and then you know opt out during the off season, but let's swing on over to, to Cleveland. Cause you know, we keep talking LeBron, he keeps coming up in conversations. It's like gravity, you know, he can't ever get away from this dude, but the Cavs keep losing stories. Keep coming. I think it was like five of their last seven. Uh, this time they lost to the Kings in Cleveland, uh, which should never happen. You hear things coming out of their camp. And let me say all of this, this is all in, in put in appropriate context. Cleveland is going to be in the NBA finals. Regardless, there's no way they lose the East. They're so far, well, I'm not going to say so far ahead right now, but even after this losing streak, they're still number one by a few games, and they are so much better than Toronto. Uh, the, the gap between one and two in the East is monumental, whereas it's not so much here in the, in the West. It's all pretty tight. Um, 
So Cleveland is going to be in the finals. But the stories that are coming out of there are, you know, LeBron's unhappy with the team. And this is LeBron, the player, is unhappy with the construction of the team, not LeBron, the GM, who helped construct the team. Um, talking about, and you referenced it earlier, not being able to play fantasy basketball. We have who we have. The Corver thing, real, I mean, it's a short or a small sample size, but we really haven't seen much happening there. LeBron's playing a ton of minutes. Uh, they have no point guard. I'm hearing that they're missing and that he is missing Matthew Delavadova, which is always a negative sign that Delavadova is the is the crux of of what uh, you know that that championship was, or if he's even presuming as much. It's um, it's pretty. If you're a Cleveland Cavalier fan, it's pretty disheartening to hear those things from LeBron, and then and then hear especially that LeBron's going to ownership versus going to Ty Lue versus going to Griffin. Just go straight to the ownership level because uh, he has that kind of pool. I think that's these these are amazing storylines. Like this is what I live for. This is for me. This is better than the actual game on the court. Uh, yeah, you mentioned it with uh, him missing Delhi. Uh, the the one thing that the first thing I thought about when he started throwing you know his backup point guards under the bus was. You know, if they don't do anything, those guys that you're just basically insulting, that's going to be your championship, your, you know, championship defending crew. So I, you know, I completely disagree with the way he's handling this. He's throwing his teammates under the bus. Uh, you know, he, 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 that's the thing with LeBron. And I think that's, he's going through Kobe-itis. He, uh, you remember back in, what was it, 07? Uh, Kobe threw Andrew Bynum under the bus. He wanted him to trade for – he wanted a Jason Kidd trade. Right. Remember, he wanted a ball handler. He wanted a distributor. He wanted a playmaker. The thing about that, the first thing I thought when Kobe said that was, wait a minute. He Jason Kidd's not going to you know, you know, uh, man the offense. It's going to go to Kobe first. When Kobe can't do anything for the majority of the shot clock, he's going to give it to Jason Kidd with eight seconds left and say, just do something with it. And I think that's LeBron's mentality. He wants a Jason Kidd or a Steve Nash to make his uh, burden easier, but he wants that to be the backup uh, option, not to be the the, the first option. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what they don't realize, that they're – they're the ones getting in the way of that, you know. So, and again, uh, Cow uh, Colin Cowherd had a really good uh, rant about this, where you know uh, one of LeBron's uh, complaints was ownership isn't spending enough, uh, which is ridiculous because you have Kevin Love, you have Kyrie Irving, right? Uh, but not only They're that, so but far you know, above the limit. They're so far exactly. Above. And if if you're getting on the owner for not spending enough, we have to remember there's a salary cap. It's not like the you know baseball with the Yankees that they can pay guys you know whatever and you know just pay the tax. It's not that there's a hard cap on there. So, uh, or not a hard cap, right? Because uh, they could go over the luxury tax. But again, there, there's a certain rules that you can't you know sign just random guys. If he was really upset about it, just like uh, Cowherd said, just take less. You know, if you want ownership to spend more, don't ask for the max. Ask for 15 million. Uh, you know, Tim Duncan only eclipsed uh, twenty pl or twenty plus million, I think, like three or four years, and that wasn't even in his prime. So I think LeBron really has to look at himself uh, when he's, uh, you know, going after his teammates or ownership or the coach or whatever. Uh, I think he needs to look at himself and say, "How can I help the team?" And I think that's what you know uh, a lot of people miss about Tim Duncan because Tim Duncan really never put himself first. Uh, it was always, you know, if you could trade for a Richard Jefferson and that'll make our 
you know, our team better, you know, whatever, you know, uh, if Tony Parker needs to be the guy on offense and man the offense and not go forward down anymore, you know, we'll do it that way. Uh, he took less money, you know, especially at the end of his career. We saw Tim Duncan take uh, 7 million, 11 million and 5 million and so forth. So right. I think LeBron needs to have that mentality. Don't be blaming everybody else. See how you can help. And again, that's what a mentality like Duncan, especially with, you know, because Duncan was never in the limelight, but with LeBron being in the in the limelight, and if he acts a certain way, that's going to reflect free agents too. How many how many superstars? He already has two. How many superstars do you think are thinking? You know, I wish I could go to Cleveland, Cleveland, yeah. and help that guy out. Of course not, because if you start sucking, he's going to be the first one that you're going to throw under the bus. So uh, I think he's going about this extremely wrong. Uh, I think he needs to be humble. Uh, in the physical sense, how he talks, and also in the NBA salary cap sense, take a pay cut and see how that's going to uh, really uh, reform the league. Because again, if LeBron James is earning, let's say, fifteen million dollars, mm-hmm. when the max contract is forty million dollars, that's going to, you know, that's going to change the whole perception of the league. Now, now, um, uh, Mozgov isn't going to be overpaid, and a Noel Dang and all these other guys. So, I think he needs to set the example instead of blaming other people. Yeah, I mean. Uh- you're totally right. I didn't really think about how other free agents this year and and, uh, and, and people that might get traded and, and out, out years as well. I didn't think about how they would react to what LeBron James is doing now, but you're, you're totally right. And, and just put it in context. Think about that little dude that's running around in Golden State. You know, Steph Curry, doesn't he make like the least amount on his team? I'm not, I'm not making that up. He's not, he's not the number one salary earner on his team and it's by a large uh, margin uh, and that's pretty incredible and you never hear a complaint if I was a free agent I'd go to uh, a team like Golden State or you know frankly a team like San Antonio where you don't have that kind of drama but I will say that LeBron's beef about the minutes played that's true uh, I've got a couple of stats here that LeBron as old as he is and think of this too how many minutes that dude has played over his NBA career because he's been in the finals like six years in a row right so out of all of those years he's been in the row he's played he's played the most games uh, of anybody that uh, in the NBA anybody who's had the opportunity to play as many games as, as he is. What am I trying to say here? He's played the most games overall over the course of the past six years of any other player. This year, he's played 41 games. He's got 1,543 minutes. That comes out to 37.6 minutes per night. He oftentimes has to play the backup point guard. And I should say that that's number one in the league. He's played the most minutes of anyone else in the league as a big. So if I look at, um, to try to compare him to somebody, you know, I think, on the San Antonio Spurs, Kawhi Leonard's playing the most minutes on the Spurs. Uh, and that happens to be true, but it also appears to be that way. Look at how Popovich is managing his his uh, his minutes. I just mentioned that you know LeBron was number one overall in the league. Kawhi Leonard is tied for 38 He's with Cantavius Caldwell-Pope, <laughs> oddly enough, in Detroit. Uh, Kawhi Leonard has the 38th most minutes played per game. He's played in 41 games overall. Nearly 200 over total minutes less than uh, LeBron James, and is only playing 33 minutes a night. That comes it comes down to coaching as well, and LeBron is just as much a coach as Ty Lue is on that team. Uh, but when we talk about overall minutes played, LeBron is playing a ton of minutes, way more, and this is why he's he's not going to be fresh if he doesn't take his little you know two week hiatus midway through the season, and then you can start seeing Cleveland you know kind of kind of tank a little bit. Uh, all that being said, they're still coming out of the East. 
Um, let's. You uh, think? I don't know. Uh, should I take the? Who did I take last year? The Raptors. I think you took. The I Raptors. took some. You took the Magic. Yeah. I think. Uh, of course not. Uh, let's let's talk about our sponsor here. So the listeners of the Spurs Cast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download. You've heard this for the past couple of times here on the uh, on the Spurs Cast. So our sponsor, um, Audible.com, is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service and what they're all about. Um, so to download your free audiobook today, you need to go to audibletrial.com slash uh, yeah slash Almighty. That's I'm butchering this read, right? AudibleTrial.com slash A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y. Uh, go check them out. Download the book. Free 30 days. Jose, you like free stuff? Of course. And I downloaded my free book, How to Be Right by Greg Gutfeld. Five hours and 47 minutes right now. I saw left that. Of it, you know? yeah. I, I saw that. That's pretty amazing. And, and very fitting that you would go that route. Of course. You know, because I'm I, – I just – I just needed some reassurance in my positions. Well, let's talk about uh, the West real quickly, and then and then wrap this up. The you know over in the we talked about the East and how there's a pretty big disparity between one and two in the West between one and three. There's really not that big of a margin, and Golden State's had a couple of inopportune losses. Golden State's still number one. They're thirty nine and seven overall, and that's good for an eight forty eight winning percentage. San Antonio is one five straight. They're right on their heels now. They're thirty six and nine. Uh, which is an 800 winning percentage. The, those, those are the only two teams in the NBA that have a plus 800 uh, winning percentage. They're, San Antonio's two uh, and a half games back, but Houston is 34 and 15, uh, which is uh, almost a, a 700 percent uh, uh, winning percentage or 70 percent winning percentage, I should say. So that grouping right there at the top is right where we thought that it would be. Uh, but you go on a little run here as, as San Antonio, and you have a real opportunity to catch Golden State. Let me ask you this. Have you seen anything from Golden State that makes you think that maybe they're not as dominant uh, in in terms of the West as maybe walking into the season you thought that they would be? Uh, well, I thought they were going to be more dominant. And, uh, you know, really their attitude is what's costing them. They get into big leads and then they just, you know, just sort of, uh, they just sort of, uh, sort of goof around, you know, just take, uh, horrible shots. Or maybe it's the usual shots that now are looking really bad when they're not going in. Uh, but, I think this is pretty encouraging because if the Spurs can stay right behind them, you know, if they can still hear footsteps behind them, this might cause Golden State to be playing more guys, you know, be playing their core more minutes, not be getting that much rest come playoff time. You know, again, if they go six or seven games each series uh, up until they go to the Western Conference Finals or even the NBA Finals, I don't see them uh, lasting as champion or to be champion. So uh, I think this is pretty good for the Spurs. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that uh, Spurs are, are right there. They're doing it by resting people as well. Uh, we'll talk about the Toronto game real quickly. But, you know, like I just mentioned, Kawhi Leonard has only played 41 games this year. He's sitting out – he sat out the past two games, right? Um, Popovich is resting his guys. you got you got some stars that are out on injury. Tony Parker's been out several times. Pau Gasol's gone for a while. The Spurs are doing it with players – or they're winning with players that you don't really expect to be in the rotation come playoff time. Uh, so all of that is, is pretty incredible stuff and very encouraging for, for San Antonio. Talk about the Toronto win. Uh, my big takeaway from that is, is obviously do it, you know, doing what they did against the second best team in the East. Uh, it took them all the way, you know, to the end there to, to make it happen. It was a really close game, but they did it with a bunch of, um, I hate to say no names, but I, but I will. I mean, these are not stars. 
the, the, and the scoring distribution for San Antonio was the big takeaway I had. It's so many players in double figures. It seemed like everybody had at least eight points. Uh, Byron Forbes even got in to the game and scored eight points, which is a career high for him. That's a dude that's typically with the Austin Spurs in the D-League. Um, what did you see in that Toronto game that was encouraging from the way that the Spurs either moved the ball or the way that they were scoring pretty evenly? They're comfortable with the role. You know, they're not second-guessing. I think that's what was hurting him at the beginning. A lot of the, especially, you know, with Powell entering the starting lineup, obviously he's hurt, but, you know, Powell would second guess a lot. And again, that's when Tony would be thinking, you know, do I include Powell? Do we go with Lamarcus or is it, you know, Kawhi's turn to be the first option? Uh, you know, these guys are now getting comfortable to where they're really reminding, reminding me, not as, you know, they're not as fluent as they were, obviously, in 2014, but I think they're reminding me of that team in, you know, in spurts. And that's all you can really ask for, especially when this team is going iso a lot mm-hmm. uh it shows that the, this team is patient if Kawhi has his mismatch let him go to it if lamarcus has his mismatch and go to it and if they and if they don't have or if they need some help there's ball movement around there there's guys going off screens and sitting off the ball screen so i i am very encouraged that they're comfortable in the roles that they're that they're given and not only that they can all do different things uh they're all cutting they're all moving uh moving they're all comfortable in that that's the one thing i took out from it well, let's, uh, let's wrap up the podcast on, on a kind of a weird stat. And this is coming from um, a writer. I, I'm not too familiar with, with his work there on ProjectSpurs.com, but I will be now because I'm always into the weird stat. It's this dude, Colin Reed. Uh, and, and you would never expect somebody to analyze things this way, but it's pretty amazing that there's a, there's a particular lineup that the Spurs implement. And... When they implement that, they have great success. Implement that lineup, they have great success. The lineup is Patty Mills, Manu Ginobili, Jonathan Simmons, David Lee, and Dwayne Dedman. When that, when those five are on the court at any time during the game, so they don't have to play long stretches. It's just when those five appear on the court at the same time, uh, it results in an eighty-five percent winning percentage for the Spurs, which is outpacing you know their average that we talked about a, a flat. You know, eighty percent winning percentage. So at any time that that lineup's on the court, they get eighty-five. They, ha- they win eighty-five percent of the time. It's it's an odd thing to pay attention to, an odd thing to look up, but it's an awesome article uh, and and kind of a really cool and uh, I was going to say nifty, but that I guess I just did and made me sound totally lame. But what do you think about that kind of uh, analysis and and these weird stats like that? Well, the first thing I thought about was when you mentioned him as this dude. This dude. Uh, really this writer, comic. sorry. Sorry, this, this uh, incredibly talented writer. I think that's the guy that me and Paul met at uh, at Summer League. At, no, at the uh, coaching class. Very nice guy. You know, you could have. we had a conversation over pasta. Didn't you skip uh, out the, on the second day of the coaching class? The, yeah, this was the first day, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just didn't feel like getting up there and teaching, so I just went home. Right. You know, ate my money sure. went home. Sure. Uh, apparently, you know, the, the funny thing about that is that's the bench. That's the second string. It's not like you're mixing starters with the bench or the third string with the second string. That's basically all the backups that are that were normally the backups. Those that's the unit that kept them in all those games where they were struggling early on. Uh, as as far as the starters were concerned, uh, that's I mean, you look at that lineup and it's very versatile. 
Patty is a point guard. He's not a true point guard, but again, he can handle the points somewhat. He's a shooter. Right. Uh, he's a very good defender. Those are things he can do. Manu it can be a distributor. He can be now. He's a spot up shooter. He's a really good defender. I think his defense is underrated. Uh, so you know he can do those different things. Then you have Simmons who can drive, put his head down like a Corey Maggette. Ridiculously I don't like athletic. That. Ridiculously athletic. Yeah, uh, he's a good defender. He can do more than one thing. Again, David Lee. I, there's, I'm, I'm not even going to uh, describe David Lee. You just watch him play. All the things he does, you can't Hustle. put anything on his game. He, he put, he leaves you in awe because he does all the little things. He never stops. He's always talking, moving around. Uh, you know, offensive rebounding like crazy. Uh, and then you have Deadman who can protect the paint, who can uh, dunk, who can set really good screens, who can defend really well. Uh, all these guys are very versatile. And especially, you know, and also David Lee, you can give him the ball up top and he's going to do something with it. Not a lot of bigs can do that. So, you know, there's no so much, there's not so much pressure. They basically play a pickup game, if you notice it. They're all comfortable with their roles. Uh, you know, if Manu gets the ball, he'll just, uh, uh, you know, dribble inside, uh, dribble drive and, and you know, give uh, pass it out. So I, th- I'm not surprised at that. I'm very surprised that they're winning a lot of those games. What did you say, 85%? 85%, because again, yeah. This isn't the most uh, – it's not the youngest, you know, pair of uh, – you know, as far as uh, five guys. But it's also, you know, not, not the most talented, you know, and I hate to say it like that. You know, all these guys are not in their prime. But, again, they're doing enough and doing a lot more than one or two things to get it done. So it's very encouraging uh, because, again, if you could be in – the starters could be in a funk. Those are your best players, uh, you know, most of the time. You could bring your bench and they'll bring you back in the game. And not only their style of play – uh, affects you know uh, you know the guys on the court you know if they they're very energetic but it also energizes the the starters who are watching them they want to play like that so I guess they set the example they set the pace when the team is struggling. There you go. Uh, well, anything else before we wrap up? It's like three podcasts in seven days. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've turned off the mic just in case I burp and want to throw up. You know, it's catching up to me, bro. Okay, well, moving on. Uh, that's it for this episode of the Spurs Cast. That's episode four twenty seven. Make sure to follow us at the Spurs Cast on Twitter. Catch up with Jose at JRG ten twenty three. Me, I'm at Ryan MC underscore PS. Or follow any of the Project Spurs folks at Project Spurs. Go to projectspurs.com. Jose, thank you, and to all of you listeners, you are welcome. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.